Hey everyone, welcome to Better. I'm your host, Julie Duffy, and joining me today is Dr. John Duffy, my co-host. Hey babe, how are you? Good. So we switched chairs. This is the host chair where John usually sits, and um, or the driver's seat, let's call it, and I decided to sit here and to see how that changes things up. It's really interesting to sit on this side because... It all looks better from this. I like this angle so much better in the room. Right, so I can see the door, the back of the door, which actually has a sign from your old, from Steve Harvey dressing room. <laughs> I just noticed. I don't yeah. think I've ever known that was there. And you can, you're looking at the our big logo, yeah. our big happy green logo. No, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it from here. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> it's weird not being in the driver's seat. You got the headphones on. You got the computer. Everything's facing your way. I'm not in charge of anything. I'm just along for the ride. Yeah, so one of the reasons I did that is because you're a little under the weather. I am not feeling 100%. <laughs> I'm feeling about 40. <laughs> about 4%, no. Um, yeah, so, and you have a little, your eye's a little puffy, so I just called the doctor for you. I looked in the mirror uh, before we started recording, and... Um, it's so fortuitous for me that podcasts are not a visual because I look absolutely bizarre to myself right now. No, you're looking more normal. Yesterday, John said in the morning, we went to the Bears game yesterday, and when you came in, you, didn't George say, oh, my God, you look like a ghost? <laughs> yes. And I said today that right now I look like a version of myself had it all gone terribly <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yes, I have to agree. Yeah, and just, you did agree, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, your hair was kind of wacko and when you said that. And, yeah, you do look completely different right now, by the way. See? Must be the lighting. <laughs> yeah, it must be the lighting. No, Thanks it, for no, that. No, you do. You always bounce back. I can hear it in my voice, too, right? Can you hear, like, you see? You have a I'm little not, cold. You have yeah. a little cold. Yeah. So John, as you know, typically um, just goes and goes and goes until his body just says, stop now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I recommend for everybody, my patients included, is yeah. just keep going until your body gives way so and, we, so, and makes you look as if you've been homeless for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> no, so we went to Philly this weekend for Julia's, our um, sweet friend Julia's. Was her graduation party? She graduated months ago, but she just passed her boards, and she's a nurse now. So we went to. We're super proud of you, Julia. You're, yeah, Julia. You're awesome. Yeah, she's gonna be the best nurse. And we didn't adopt. I just realized we didn't adopt any Philly accent while we were there. We weren't there long enough. No, shoot. Because usually you can pick it up. Like I can, I can usually. Julia's dad, Rich, has has a lot of Philly in his yeah. voice, and and I can I can usually pick up a little bit of. But it's not. That's not even it. That's not. Forget that. Was that was pretty close. Was it? Um, so yeah, that was super fun, but we got on the plane and you had, um, had another one of your long Spells? weeks. Spells? <laughs> no. no, you, you did, you'd had, um, a very long week and then you shot, so our flight was like at one fifty on Friday. You shot downtown for a couple of meetings yeah. and, um, came back just in time to throw on a shirt and, uh, you know, pick out your sweater and, you know, get on the plane, call Uber. Uber arrived, you know, two minutes after you got back. Right. So we get to the airport, and even Annabelle said, didn't Annabelle tell you that you look tired? <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> um, but so we got on the plane, and I'm like, John, just, you know, close your eyes. Um, Which I did, chill. promptly. <laughs> so I lay my head down, 
and on, I like to put the table down and cross my arms and just lay my head down. Did you ever think about how gross the tray table could be? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then forget I said anything. I just take a little nippy nap. So I'm like, John, just close your eyes. And next thing I know, I hear... That's typing. It sounds like rain, <laughs> but John is has his clicky clacky typer, <laughs> and he's just like typing away like a madman writing his book. So he's a machine, but all of a sudden it catches up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually I can go pretty long. I mean, I usually fall apart when I can. In other words, like as long as I have something on the on the agenda that I have to do. I'm going to do the thing and I'll seem okay. And then once there's like an a morning where I don't have to be anywhere, my body will choose a migraine or illness, a deathly illness. <laughs> but it goes away fast. It tends to. So yeah, I called Dr. Combs so to see if she can do something about the little puff under your eye because you have a Facebook Live on Wednesday with Heidi Stevens. Yeah, so um, Heidi Stevens um, from the trip. Thank you, Heidi, for inviting me to your Facebook Live. I'm oh, it'll be the day Wednesday. this podcast comes out, by the oh, way. Oh, so <laughs> thanks. Today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And <laughs> no. thanks for watching. Take no. care. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, yeah, or it's coming up later today. Oh, yeah, noon today. So we thought we would talk today about one of my favorite concepts ever that I stumbled upon when I was in training called The Emotional Bank Account. Yeah, tell us about that, John. Let me tell you exactly how um, this was introduced to me. It, so we had these training days, and Daniel Goleman had just written a book about emotional intelligence and how emotional intelligence plays an enormous role in the ways in which we are successful in life, um, in our relationships, in our businesses, in, in, in every other, virtually every other way, every measure of success that you can think of. He comes up with this almost like an algorithm that suggests that 80% or more of success in life is attributable not to knowing what you're doing or um, knowing somebody's name or the, the, the nuts and bolts of things. It's, it's connecting. Or not traditional intellect, not like book smarts. Not book smarts, but, but uh, a different kind of intelligence altogether, emotional intelligence. And the core of emotional intelligence is, is recognizing... Julie, that all of relationships have an emotional bank account tied to it. And emotional intelligence is an awareness, right, of your own and others' emotions. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and an ability to understand them and work with them, navigate them. Not not uh, careful uh, to point out that that doesn't mean to manipulate the emotional relationship you have with somebody else. This isn't like the used car dealer way of manipulating right. somebody into doing what you want to do or you, what you want them to do. Rather, it is like, you know, Connecting kind of a win-win connection thing. Okay, so the best business application of the emotional bank account I've ever seen uh, came from my boss at the time, back when I was an accountant. His name was Jerry Turner. Um, God love you, Jerry, and I owe you lunch. So if you're oh, listening, yeah. man, I'm going to come and I'm going to find you and you and I are going to get lunch um, because it's been about 22 years, so we should probably catch up. Um, so Jerry is a partner in the accounting firm. Jason and I are the senior um, auditors, and we are presenting to the clients. And I think, if I remember right, we are presenting 
to them how we are going to change their inventory system from LIFO to FIFO, and it is going to change their inventory lives. And we go on and on and on for an hour, he and I riffing back and forth about how this is going to work, how long it's going to take, how it's going to um, improve their service and sales with their customers. And we're doing this whole song and dance. Meanwhile, Jerry, to my right, facing the client, has not said a word for an hour. And he's the man. He's the, he's the partner in charge. So it's all said and done. And Jerry, kind of casually leaning back in his chair, says to the client, Now, Bob, I want to make sure that you're getting what you need here. These guys telling you what you want to hear, there's something more you need. And, I, and Jason and I look at each other like, oh, there's the deal. The right, deal right, just right. got done. Yeah. <laughs> we could have talked for 10 minutes. And, and, you know, and the thing about Jerry's moment there that blew me away is I knew Jerry before then. and I knew Jerry after that. He meant it. I don't know. I, I, I talk about this a lot when I, when I give talks to groups of parents. I don't know if Jerry knew anything about accounting. I do know that Jerry meant what he said to the client. I do know that he, when he said, I'm going to make sure you get what you, what need, you need, Yeah, yeah. You know, that he would like turn to the experts. He's not necessarily one of them and make sure that he got what they well, need. Uh, he likely did know something. Of course about he knew. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry was a brilliant man. But right, he knew what mattered. Yes. He knew what mattered. He knew what mattered, and it was fostering these relationships and making sure that the people he was working for could trust him. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he created this kinship with them. He did it with me too. He would come out to me. I tell this story too, and talk to me. Uh, I had a Carol, and and the partner would come out to my Carol instead of calling me to his office, and he would just talk to me. He would just BS about anything, and then he would ask me like, you know, hey, you mind staying an hour or two late tonight? And I'd always be like, yeah, for you, Jerry, anything, everybody. And I wasn't alone. You could, you could, anybody who worked at Arthur Anderson from 1986 to 1993, if you asked him, would you work late for Jerry Turner now, now in 2018, if Jerry wanted you for an hour, would you go do something for him? If he needed his garage cleaned, most of us would show up. Yeah. <laughs> That's how adept he was at fulfilling that emotional bank account, at, at building a positive balance, keeping that thing in the black so that... When things were going well, they went really, really well, and you enjoyed your time. When things were a little rougher, there was enough juice there to get you through. You were resilient to it. That yeah, was, like if that he needed you for, to Jerry. work longer or work harder or you know needed some extra something extra from you, you were happy to do it. Absolutely, every single time. Yeah, and um, and so when I talk to parents, I bring up the emotional bank account because, as parents of teenagers in particular, we tend to linger on behavior. Right. Yeah. And behavior is the um, the all caps tweet of distractions in terms of in terms of parenting, because it draws your attention away from what matters. Right. So, oh, my God, you're vaping. Yeah. We're going to talk about that for a long time and you're going to have this huge consequence. I can't tell if I'm talking way too loud. I can't either. Actually, <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. Oh, my God, you're vaping. We'll go back to that. So, um and, but the truth is what matters is the connection underlying all of that. So if as a parent you tend to that connection, then when if your child's vaping, your voice is going to be in the mix. They're probably going to listen to what you have to say more than they ever would if your picture a bank account in the red. So anybody who's listening, picture somebody who just plain 
bugs you, who you just don't like very much, who you feel like isn't a very good listener, for example. And I bet you could tell me that your emotional bank account, if you think about it for just a second, is in the red. In other words, there's not enough goodwill established between you and that person to carry you through that conversation, right? Right, Even, right. even that conversation at a dinner party or something, even that five minutes, it's like, oh God, I'm suffering this person, right? And then think about somebody you can't wait to see, yeah, right? Somebody you love to talk to. And, and that person probably listens to you, enjoys you, and your bank account is probably well in the black. It's, it's an easy litmus test. Yeah. And if you need a correction in, in a bank account, you know, in a relationship, tend to the bank account. Do what you and I are doing now, right, Julie? We're like facing each other. We're listening to each other. We're nodding and we're making eye contact. And that is, that's a deposit. Yeah. I look at those things as deposits. And the deposits make our relationships resilient for those times when we need them to be. You, I would argue, tend the emotional bank account better than almost anybody I know. Seriously. Um, I think you are, uh, or, or almost organically, this seems to be like the thing that you do most. And it seems like effortless. I think most, I think you have a, a, an emotional bank account in the black with virtually everyone you come across. Hmm. And so people are drawn to you. They want to be with you. They want your attention. Um, what wow. do you think? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's, I guess, think the most important thing to me when you come to the table really caring about the other person, it's going to get you where you need to go. So what made you think about this today? Um, as usual. Yeah. Parenting. Um, so I'm writing, about, I'm writing a book on parenting, um, as, as some of you know. And um, whenever I think about parenting, I always fall back to this idea, the emotional bank account. Because when I'm working with any family, um, there is this propensity to focus on the issue at hand. So, right. so a family will come in and they'll say, here's the thing that's going on. Help us fix the thing that's going on, right? Help us repair the thing that's going on. And the inclination for a lot of us, therapists like, is like, you know, okay, I'm going to have at this maladaptive behavior. I'm going to stop this behavior. I'm going to stop the thing. Family goes away happy. But you realize really quickly when you're in the driver's seat in the therapy room Oh, that's the thing that's going on is never the thing that's going on. <laughs> it's all about the emotional bank account. It's all about like, okay, I'm going to open up the hood of this family and I'm going to look at these connections and see how they're working, right? And somewhere there's an emotional bank account. And I'm like literally pointing around as I'm talking. Somewhere is an emotional bank account in the red. If I can find that and I can repair that, I can help them repair that, guide them toward repairing that, then we're probably running smoothly and and fine. So it's I always come back to parenting because right. it's never more viscerally um, an issue for me than it is in parenting. Mostly because I deal with parenting every day, and um, and it's the most important thing. So it really is for me a clarion call to parents. Like you know, always every day check in with your emotional bank account, with your kid. And think about it that way. I think it's the most, it's this handy little tool to assess like, where am I with my kid? Because you can ask yourself a thousand different questions about what's going on. But if you just say, how's it feeling today? My relationship with my kid, does it feel pretty good? Does it feel pretty smooth? 
or is it real rough? Yeah. Do I feel like we're not, I'm not getting through and she's not getting through either. We're, there's a wall between us here. Then no matter what's going on, before you make your next move, connect. Yeah. Like, you know, connect, connect, because that it's variable. That what I love about the emotional bank account is it can shift. Like I've seen it shift in moments. I was going to say within an hour, within a therapy hour, but sometimes it's just like this moment where a a parent kind of lights up or shows interest or recognizes what they might not might be doing that's not working. You know what I mean? Like it takes a moment of connection. You know, I've seen too in my office parents and kids remember or even see for the first time what's amazing about each other or see themselves in a different way and and you know, you can see a new or refreshed connection happening and then all of a sudden the issue goes away. And you know they're healed in a way they wouldn't or couldn't be if they didn't have that moment, if they didn't have that remembering or um, didn't didn't tend to that and refresh that that feeling of awe, yeah. of fondness and admiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the awareness of how easily that can fall away, you know, when whether it's parent child or husband wife. Um, or friendships, like, you know, if you could, if you get lazy about it and, you know, people can bug you <laughs> more oh, yeah. easily. And, well, and, and, and I it, think sometimes, I, I don't know, like, I think you're better at tending to relationships and emotional bank accounts, you know, kind of on a regular basis. Like I, I, um, I need to take a page from that because I sometimes suspect I'm the one who bugs people. <laughs> I think I could probably tend a little better to some of the relationships that really matter a lot to me, you know, but I'm, I get so busy and maybe this is a page, maybe part of the reason I wanted to talk about this is to remind myself, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like sometimes a, a friend of mine that I care about will reach out a call, a text, some gesture of some kind, something on social media. And I'm, I'm a little like, um, you know, oh, it's too much. I don't have time for that right now or something like that. And I'll let it lapse kind of, and I, I won't tend to it. And so sometimes I think like I'm the guy not fueling the bank account when I could be. It's kind of like uh, when you give it a moment, it feels like the only right answer. Yeah. Like, you know, th- this trip to Philly is something we could, e- we, we could have decided not to go easily, right? But we went not just to fulfill the emotional bank account, but because we would never not go to support these people. <laughs> yeah. Period, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it feels good to us. It's, it's, uh, you know, we're filling up our own. <laughs> That's right. And now when we graduate from nursing school, Julia, you will have to come and see us. Yeah. <laughs> so it tends to build that way. Another, another example that I love, Julia and I have talked, um, ad nauseum on the podcast about how we have become unwitting sports fans thanks to George Duffy's fanaticism. And, um, and there's one real obvious place where you see building of the emotional bank account and the antithesis of it, and it is in coaching. The coaches I see that, that I love to watch are guys who spend time filling that emotional bank yeah. account up. Uh, Steve Kerr, uh, former Chicago Bull, but coach of the Golden State Warriors, um, kind of perennial champs in the NBA, um, 
this guy, I, I've loved since he was a player, but if you watch him, he, he's a really, really smart guy intellectually. He understands the game really well. He plays the game. He runs the show differently than most coaches. He runs a faster offensive game. So he, he the nuts and bolts Steve Kerr has down. But the coolest thing this guy does as a coach is when a player comes out of the game, and it can be Steph Curry, the kind of the perennial MVP, or it can be the, the guy on the end of the bench coming out of the game. Steve Kerr is going to square up shoulder to shoulder, face that guy, and he's going to give him a moment of feedback, a pat on the head, a good job, and a have a seat. They're going to have a moment with their coach every single time they come out of the game. And it's usually, it's always, as far as I've seen, a feel-good moment. Um, and it's also, it's, a, it's an I see you moment. I see you. I see you. I, see I, you. I say that a lot. I, I, I see you, and I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate what you're doing out there. I saw what you did. I saw how it went wrong. Here's what. I, here's what I'd like you to do next time. Have a seat, man. We're going to get you back in there in a minute. Yeah. Um, Phil Jackson, who coached the Michael Jordan Bulls, and then coached the Lakers to a few championships as well, to add a little something to his trophy case. Um, he would get his players books at the beginning of each season. A different book for every player based on what he thought would be useful for that player for that season. That's how thoughtful a guy, the Zen master, Phil Jackson was as a coach. On the other side, there's a guy named Brian Kelly who coaches my alma mater's football team, my alma mater's Notre Dame. And this guy routinely, so here's a guy. So uh, the guys I'm talking about so far have reached championship levels. Notre Dame comes close most years, and then falls away toward the end of the year. So right now, Notre Dame's on a bit of a tear. Um, if I had to put money on it, unless Brian Kelly changes the way he coaches, they will fall apart somewhere at the end of the season. Here's why, in my humble opinion, um, being the sports uh, analyst that I am, yes. here's what Brian Kelly does wrong. Do tell. I think Brian Kelly is actually a master of the game. I think he knows football really, really, really well. Um, when his players come out, he lets emotion get the best of him. He yells in their faces in front of 50,000 people and whoever's watching on TV. He will hold I, the indelible image is there was this there was this quarterback a couple of years ago who was amazing, but he threw an interception, right? Yeah. Um and his coach told him, I want you to go out there and take risks. This was his big thing. Take risks. Go for the big plays. So the kid does what he is coached to do, and he throws an interception. He makes a mistake. And instead of saying, hey, way to go, man. Yeah, listen, you tried. You, you tried, yeah. and next time you're, you're going to nail it. I know it. He pulls the kid close to him, grabs the face mask, pulls it in, and he's screaming at him red in the face. And... Next series, what does the kid do? You guessed it. He throws another interception because he gets a show of no confidence, that there's nothing in the emotional bank account, there's no show of confidence given, and Notre Dame loses the game that they should absolutely have won. So Coach Kelly, if you're listening, you're welcome. You <laughs> <laughs> tend to the emotional bank account, and you might be able to get the Irish to play Alabama and, well, and he's lose not, in the championship game. <laughs> right. Well, and he's just pure emotion. He's not an ego. He's right. Not. But, if, but if he gave it a moment, he'd recognize, oh, all the pieces are in place here, 
except this one thing. But it's the most important yeah, thing, right? right. Good so, point. Right. So, so uh, watch coaches. Watch coaches of teams you love. Joe Madden, our beloved uh, manager of the Chicago Cubs, he on um, on a day when the Cubs lost this year, he had a dress like Pedro Strope day. Pedro Strope, a middle reliever uh, for the Cubs, and he dresses with gold chains. He wears his hat sideways. He's really flamboyant, big dresser. So these guys got to release a lot of that tension from that rough day and dress, go crazy and dress like Pedro Strope. And meanwhile, nobody had more fun than Pedro Strope yeah. who needed to lift. Yeah. <laughs> so Joe Madden gets the emotional bank account, thus the Cubs are in the discussion every year and have a World Series championship under their belt. Yes. So um, <laughs> we love our sports. Um, yeah. So in conclusion, whether it's in business, at work, um, at in your in your love relationship, in your parenting relationships, in your friendships, make sure you're tending to the connection. Make sure they know you love them and see them. And, and value them. And just to reiterate, um, tending to the emotional bank account is easy. Uh, attending just to behavior, especially in parenting, that's hard. That jerry-rigging of, you know, oh, what consequences or punishments do I have to have in place for the late thing or the vape or the jewel or whatever, you know, you can, you, you can work on parenting. You can do the work of parenting all day long. But if you haven't tended to that emotional bank account... You're going to wonder, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not getting through? And tending to the emotional bank account as a parent, that's the fun part. That's the good part. That's true in every single relationship. That's the key to relating is, is to remember, oh, yeah, that's the fun part. Well, Jerry and- Turner, the, my, my boss, he was attending to the fun part. Accounting is not the fun part. The fun part was hanging out with people and talking to them and you know, making them feel good about what you're doing. Well, and with Jerry, you knew you could go to him if you had an issue and a problem and would not and it would be a safe and you would not be judged. If you have a balance in the emotional bank account, if you focus more on connection, your kids know they can come to you and now more than ever that's absolutely critical. I'm almost surprised we've never directly committed an episode of this to the emotional bank account, an episode of this podcast. I think maybe We've committed all of them in a way <laughs> to yeah. this idea, but to give a name to it, I think helps because if you need a compass um, for any relationship, you can always turn to that. And it's an easy gut read of where you are. And usually the fix is pretty doable. So tend to the emotional bank account. It will make your life and the life of the people you connect with better. Another way to say it, I think, is... If you're focusing on the conflict or what's wrong or what's not working, shift your focus to what is working and what you love about the person or like about the person. Right. <laughs> and um, light up. <laughs> In the meantime, I have to get um, uh, some major cosmetic surgery between now and Wednesday. You have so to get your I'm, ID puffed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm just a train wreck here. So... Um, so this is better. Yeah. Love you, honey. Love you, honey. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.